This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to start Romans chapter 11. And Paul has started off this amazing letter to the church at Rome by talking about people who have rejected God, who have committed themselves to being their own God, little g, and they're living a life of sin. They have literally chose to live a life of sin, and God has turned them over to a reprobate mind, and he mentions all these sins that these people are committing. And then in chapter 2, he turns to the Jews and he tells them that, hey, you're just as guilty as the people that I listed and I was talking about in chapter one. And so since you're just as guilty, you have no room to judge anybody. Um, and so he goes on this rant, if you will, to the Jews about how that just because they were born Jews and they are under this covenant that God made with Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12, it does not mean that the Jews have a right relationship with God. And just because they have the law, uh, and, and yes, Paul even says you have a zeal about the law and trying to keep the law, but just because you have the law and just because you are doing all these great works according to the law, it, it's just not cutting it. You don't have a right relationship with God because he goes into this explanation that to, for them to have a right relationship with God, they can't have it based upon the works according to the law. They have to have a right relationship based upon faith. And that faith has to be in Jesus, who is God's son, who is the, the Messiah that they've been looking for for hundreds of years. And so what we have is a couple of issues that, that's going on here with the, uh, because the Gentiles are being saved because of the Jews' rejection of Jesus, their Messiah. The Gentiles are, are being saved, and, and the, the Jews have a major issue with the Gentiles uh, coming into the church. Uh, they've had an issue with the Gentiles that dates all the way back, way back, into the Old Testament. Because, hey, the Jews are God's chosen, and the Gentiles, they've been, they, they don't have anything. And so the Jews have looked down their nose, if you will, upon the Gentiles for thousands of years. And now all of a sudden, the Gentiles are being allowed into the kingdom of God. They're being allowed uh, to be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. And they're, they're allowed to be a part of the church. And so now you have Jews and Gentiles who are worshiping God together. And a, a lot of Jews have an issue with that. So this is a major issue that is going on here and the second issue is hey the jews won't even mention the name of jesus because they they saw jesus as a blasphemer therefore if they mention the name jesus then they too are blaspheming god and, they, and so they wouldn't even mention the name of jesus his name would not come out of their lips and that's why paul tells them that hey you have to call upon the name of the Lord in order to be saved. You have to confess him with your lips, with your mouth, and you have to believe in Jesus, your Messiah, in your heart if you want to have a relationship with God and be a part of his kingdom. So <clears throat> as we go through this letter to the church at Rome, I, I can see the Jews' um, 
issues. I can see it from their point of view. And I definitely can see it from Paul's point of view. And Paul is telling them, hey, if you want a relationship with God, it's not based on your works according to the law. It's, it's based on faith through Jesus Christ, our Messiah. And I can see why the Jews were having such an issue because they still had the same issue 2,000 years later. There, there's a ton of Jews who reject Jesus today in 2023 as their Messiah, and they're still looking for a Messiah. So I can understand the struggle that, that they're having, having been taught the law and how God said in Genesis 12 that this covenant between God himself and Abraham is an everlasting covenant. And Paul's going to try to explain that, or he will explain that in this chapter. Um, and so we come to chapter 11, and now, you know, for the first 10 chapters, Paul's been hammering, especially since chapter 2, Paul's been hammering on the Jews and focusing on the Jews. But in chapter 11, he's, he's going to bring back in uh, the Gentiles in his discussion. Um, he says uh, that, that he has made it clear uh, that both Jews and Gentiles uh, are included in the kingdom of God because God is sovereign and salvation is available to anybody and everybody, whether they are Jew or whether they are a Gentile. So let's take a look at verses 1 through 6. When Paul says, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people, talking about the Jews, whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you realize what the scriptures say about this? Elijah, the prophet, complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply, he said, no, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. It's the same today, Paul says when he was penning this letter. He said, it's the same today for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it's through God's kindness, then it's not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. So, Paul had, if we back up to, to the last chapter, chapter 10, Paul has asked a couple of questions to the Jews toward the end of chapter 10. And not only did he ask a couple of questions, but he provides his own answers as well. In verse 18, he says, But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and the resurrection? He says, I ask the people of Israel, have they really heard the message? And he says, yes, they have. And then in verse 19, he says, But I ask, did the people of Israel really understand the message? And he says, Yes, they did. For even in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles. And this is what Paul is going to expand on here in chapter 11. How God, how the Jews have rejected their Messiah, Jesus. And because of that rejection, God turns to the Gentiles. And now he's allowing the Gentiles into his kingdom, into the church. And, and, and he's also going to take the Gentiles, Paul is, he's going to take the Gentiles and what God has done for the Gentiles and try to motivate the Jews to give their life to Jesus Christ. And, and, and get off that works-based system of the law 
and get in the faith-based relationship with their Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so Paul's going to ask a third question here in chapter 11. And again, he's going to provide his own answer. And not only does he provide an answer, he uses himself as an example because he says, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? And he says, of course not. No, God has not rejected the people that he chose from the very beginning. He has, he, he has not rejected the nation of Israel. He's not rejected the Jews. He says, I myself, Paul says, I myself am an Israelite. I'm a Jew. I'm a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. So he, he, he points out the details here. He tells them exactly who he is, where he has come from. I'm a descendant of Abraham. And he even tells them, I am a member of the tribe, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel. He says, my tribe is the tribe of Benjamin. And so Paul says, no, God has not rejected his people because I am a Jew myself and I'm writing this letter to you. Therefore, there's still hope. There's hope for you. Those of you Jews who have rejected Jesus as your Messiah and, and those who have rejected Jesus for salvation, there's still hope for you because I am a Jew and I'm penning you this letter to try to convince you to give your life to Jesus Christ. That's basically what Paul's saying here. He says <clears throat> he's going to turn to the Jews. Uh, well, he turns to someone the Jews would be very familiar with for another example when that's Elijah the prophet when Elijah uh, had killed, well, he called fire down from heaven and, and then the, the, the prophets of Baal just take a run and, and then the, the Israelites kill those prophets. And uh, Jezebel says, you know, you're going to be just like my prophets. You're going to be dead by tomorrow morning. And so Elijah runs off, gets in this depressed state and asks God to take his life. And, and he says, I'm the only one left, God. And God says, nope. You're not the only one left. There's 7,000 more prophets just like you. So you're not the only one left. And Paul uses Elijah's example to the Jews. And he says, it's the same today. When, I'm, when he's penning this letter, he says, it's the same today for the Jew, for a, for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace. But then he, he, he does something here in the book of Romans that I've never noticed before. He gives us a definition of God's grace. Now, I've always heard God's grace defined as an acronym, God's redemption at Christ's expense. That's grace. But Paul gives us a good definition of God's grace right here. He says, God's grace is this, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. So straight from the pen of Paul, Paul gives us this great definition of God's grace. And he's basically what Paul is saying here is to the Jews, he says, God chose you because of his kindness and you did nothing to deserve it. That's what grace is. God chose you Jews way back in Genesis 12 when he made that covenant with Abraham. Abraham didn't do anything to deserve that. Uh, Isaac and Jacob, the other two patriarchs, they did nothing to deserve God choosing them. That, that they, could, they, they, were, they, were, they didn't even know God. God came to Abraham when he was in a pagan nation in the, the land of the Chaldeans, the land of Ur. He was in a pagan nation. He had never met God. He had never heard of God as far as we know. And God chose Abraham for whatever reason to be the father of the Hebrew people, the Jews. Abraham did nothing to earn that from God. God chose Abraham. 
That was God's grace upon Abraham. Abraham did nothing to deserve it. God simply chose Abraham. And that is the definition that Paul gives of God's grace, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. Um, it reminds me of what Jesus tells his disciples in John 15, 16, when he tells his disciples, the 12 that he went around and handpicked. When, when we studied the gospel, we hadn't studied Mark yet, but we studied uh, John, Luke, and Matthew. And if you haven't had a chance to check out those podcasts, very detailed uh, I urge you to go back and, and uh, when you have time and, and take a listen to, to those three Gospels. But in John 15, verse 16, Jesus is talking to his handpicked disciples and he says, You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. God or Jesus went around choosing these 12 men and one of them was Judas Iscariot who was going to betray him. And Jesus even said, one of you is a devil, or has a devil. And yet Jesus chose Judas. And not only did Jesus choose these 12 men to, to uh, take his place, basically, when he leaves the earth and goes back and sits at the Father's right hand, they're going to take his, the keys to the kingdom and grow his kingdom, the church. And we see that in Acts chapter 2. But not only did Jesus choose these 12 men, but he supplied them with everything they needed. He chose them and he gave them everything they needed to get the task or to get the job, or however you want to word it, to get it done. And, and he lives inside of them. He filled them with his Holy Spirit. And he, Jesus, and the Father live inside of these 12 men or Minus Judas, 12, if you want to include Matthias, the one that was chosen in Acts chapter 1. But God the Father, God the Son, they lived inside of these 12 men through the power of the Holy Spirit. And they supplied everything that these men needed to grow God's kingdom. And, and here's the thing about it. It's the same thing with you and me today in 2023. God chooses us. He first loved us us it's not the other way around we didn't first love him no he first loved us he chose us he it, he says in ephesians 3 paul does that that it was god's eternal purpose for jesus to have to die on a cross for man's sin god knew that man was going to blow it and boy did we ever blow it we we had a perfect relationship with god but when adam and eve took of that fruit they sinned or they rebelled against god when sin entered that sin separated man from god that relationship that was perfect has now been marred and and so god had to make a sacrifice there in the garden he kills an animal blood has been shed and he makes a covering from the animal skins and he covers their shame but that was the very first sacrifice that was made. And then there's been millions of more sacrifices made ever since then. But Jesus was the once and for all sacrifice. He is our Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul says that Jesus is our sacrificial lamb, our Passover lamb. And God has chosen us. He has, if we take the invitation that he offers out he calls all men everywhere to repent he he calls all men everywhere to be saved men and women whosoever will let him drink of this water of life freely 
the, the, the gospel has been sent out all over the world. And we have an opportunity to reject the message or to accept the message. And if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, according to Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41, when we are baptized in the watery grave and we come up out of that water, Peter says in, in his sermon on the day of Pentecost that we are filled with God's Holy Spirit. And God lives inside of us, the Father and the Son, John 14 Jesus says that the Father and the Son live inside of us. And so even today in 2023, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ and we accept the sacrifice that he has made on our behalf and we're washing his blood, we're baptized into Christ in that watery grave and we come up out of that watery grave, you and me, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we are given everything that we need to get the job done. We are filled with with the Father and the Son, God is living inside of us and He provides us everything we need to, to do His will. Let me put it that way. To grow His kingdom. To go out and tell people of the saving grace, of the, God's undeserved kindness, that God has chosen us, not because of anything that we've done, because we couldn't do enough, but because God loves us, and he gives us his undeserved kindness that he has chosen us to be saved, to be a part of his kingdom. And all we had to do was accept that message and be obedient. And we in turn go out and we tell people the same message. We give them the same opportunity that we have to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and to be filled with his Holy Spirit so God can live inside of those people. So they in turn can go and do the will of God as well, that is an awesome definition of God's grace, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. We'll be right back after this short break. We are releasing the sound, cause the lost generation to be found. All you Grinded Podcast listeners, I know you enjoy some good music, but I want to tell you about some awesome music. Now, my friend, Mary Gamboa, she's also the worship leader at the church where I worship, called Authentic Church here in Alcoa, Tennessee. We'd love to invite you to come out and check us out sometime when you get a chance. We start at 10 a.m., and we're on Lindsay Street here in Alcoa. Mary has produced a new album called Jealous, and you can check that out anywhere music is being streamed. But you can also check it out at marygamboamusic.com. That's Mary G A M B O A music.com. Go check that out. So God sends out an invitation to everyone to accept Him so that their sins can be forgiven and they can have a relationship with Him. As I said, Ephesians 3 says that this was God's eternal purpose. So out of his love for us, God has provided a way we can have a relationship with him. And this is what Paul is telling the Jews as well as the Gentiles at the church there in Rome in this letter. It says this was done not because of who we are or what we have done, but because of God's undeserved kindness or simply grace. And he says in verse 6, and since it is through God's kindness then it is not by their good works. For in, the, in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. The Jews thought that they could work their way to heaven or into the kingdom of God and to be in relationship with God by keeping the law 
and doing good works. But Paul says, nope, uh-uh, this is this, it's not cutting it. You, you can only have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, your Messiah. And God has done this because of his grace, which is free and undeserved. You, me, we cannot do anything to earn salvation. Nothing. It's all provided by God because of his grace. Period. We cannot do anything. We can reach out and take that gift and we can unwrap that gift and accept that gift. But Jesus Christ has taken care of everything. And that's what Paul is telling the Jews. He says, Jesus has done what the law could not do. He, he forgives your sins. But you, but you got to confess him with your mouth and you got to believe in your heart that Jesus is your Messiah. But for the Jews, many of the Jews, they could not do this because they thought Jesus was a blasphemer and they did not want to blaspheme God. They had a zeal for God. They had a zeal for serving God. But remember what Paul said. He said, you have a misdirected zeal and that misdirected zeal was in the law. And they thought that they could work enough and keep the law and they were all right with God. And and Paul is saying, no, this this is not the case. It's only through faith in Jesus. So let's look at verses 7 through 13. Paul says, so this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they're looking for so earnestly. So he's saying they are looking for it, but they haven't found it yet. A few have the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. As the scriptures say, God has put them into a deep sleep. To this day, he has shut their eyes so they do not see and closed their ears so they do not hear. That's Isaiah 29, 10 and Deuteronomy 29, verse 4 that Paul's quoting here. Likewise, David said, let their bountiful table become a snare and a trap that makes them think all is well. Let their blessings cause them to stumble and let them get what they deserve. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and let their backs be bent forever. Psalm 69, 22 and 23, the Greek version is what Paul is quoting there. So we see something similar to this when when Jesus was here on the earth and he was uh, doing his ministry. uh, We see in Matthew 13, for example, Jesus tells a parable to a crowd about a farmer who's sowing seed. Remember the the seed, the farmer's throwing seed and the seed's falling on all these different places. And, And and nothing sprung up from one, you know, one sprang up, but it has shallow roots because it's on rocky soil. You know, just so on and so forth. Jesus' disciples come to him later on that day and they ask him to explain the parable. And Jesus tells them in Matthew 13, verse 10, he says, Matthew writes this, his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? And Jesus replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Doesn't seem fair, does it? But but this this is God's sovereignty. This is what Paul's been trying to explain in chapter 10. This is this right here is a, a good picture of God's sovereignty. The disciples, they they they're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus says others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little they understand. They'll be taken away from them. And this is why I use parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear. They don't really listen or understand. 
This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes, talking to his disciples, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. In other words, your hearts are not hardened toward God. Your hearts are not hardened toward me. Your eyes are open and you can see and your ears are open and you can hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. And so in John chapter 12, we have Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And John writes this in John chapter 12, verse 37. It's another example. But despite all the miraculous signs that Jesus has done, most of the people still did not believe in him. They saw all these miracles that Jesus did. His fame is all over the known world at that time. But despite all these miraculous signs that Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people could not believe, for Isaiah also said, The Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and, and, and have me heal them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. Many people did not believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish, or many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish believers. But they would not admit it for the fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. So on these two examples uh, from these two Gospels, Matthew and John, it, it really goes back to Paul's argument about the sovereignty of God. And I don't want to rehash all that again, but I just want to simply say this. There's just some, some, th- <laughs> there's just some things that we will not understand until we get to heaven. There's some things that we cannot explain the reason why they happened until we get to happen, except to say that God is God and we're not. And God can do whatever God wants to do because he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, and he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing. And, and the decision that God's make that God makes and does is always going to be a right decision because God is righteous. So I don't under, I say all that to say this. I really don't understand why Jesus comes and does all this stuff, and there's people who see these miracles, but yet they don't understand. And the Bible says, well, their hearts were hardened. And it was hardened by God. They couldn't understand because God wouldn't allow them to understand. And so I'm trying to, you know, people try to make sense of this. I try to make sense of this. And in my feeble attempt, I'm, I'm going to try to explain what I think is, is going on here. Jesus, well, let me back up for a second. Before. God ever created the earth in Genesis chapter 1. Before he ever created anything, he had a plan. He had a purpose. 
And that plan included Jesus having to die on the cross for the sins of man. Talked about that just a few minutes ago. So God had a plan and he had a purpose. He had a mission. And that mission was to send his people, the the Jews, because he knew that he was going to have a covenant between him and Abraham. Abraham would be the father of many nations. Talking about the father of the Jews, right? That's how the Jews started, the Hebrew people. It all started with Abraham and through his son of promise, Isaac. God knew that he had a plan and a purpose, and that plan and purpose was to usher the Messiah in through the Jewish people. And that Messiah would die on a cross for the sins of mankind because God knew that Adam and Eve were going to blow it. So he had a plan in place to take care of redeeming man, to reconcile man back to himself so that we could be made friends again, that we could have a relationship with him once again because sin ruined that relationship. But now because of Jesus, we can be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and we are made one again with God, if you will, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're walking with the Savior. And as long as we're walking with the Savior, our sins are washed away, and we have a relationship with God, right? That that was God's uh, purpose. Uh, that was God's mission through the Jews to send Jesus, their Messiah, to die on the cross uh, for the sins of man. But... God also knew at some point that the Gentiles would be welcomed. And if you're, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. It's that simple. And so he knew that the Gentiles would be welcomed into the kingdom at some point, which is why Jesus made a statement to his disciples that he had sheep that were not of this fold. Talking about the Jews. There was other sheep talking about the Gentiles. So at first... When the disciples are sent out two by two, right? The disciples were instructed to only minister to the Jews. Even after the church began in Acts chapter 2, there in Jerusalem, the church stayed in Jerusalem for many, many years. And then persecution comes at the hands of Saul and others. And when persecution came, the church scattered. And when the church scattered... They were still only preaching to the Jews outside of Jerusalem. Then in Acts chapter 10, Peter has the vision of the unclean animals. You got the angel visiting Cornelius, who is a Gentile. Cornelius goes and gets his friends and his family. They're waiting on Peter to show up with some other Jews. Peter shows up with his uh, friends, these Jewish friends, and he begins to tell them about Jesus. And as he's telling them about Jesus, these Gentiles start speaking in tongues like Peter did on and the other apostles on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And Peter's like, oh, I think I get it now. I, I know what this vision means. Because evidently, uh, if, if the Holy Spirit's going to fall on these Gentiles like it did us in Acts chapter 2, well, then what's keeping these people from being baptized and being uh, welcomed into the kingdom? And so Peter and his friends baptize Cornelius and his friends and his family. And they go back and they tell... Uh, the other apostles in the church of Jerusalem, what has taken place. And so now uh, we have a church in Rome that is made up of both Jews and Gentile. And so Paul's explaining to the Jews how all of this came to be. And he says in verse 11, he says, Did God's people, talking about the Jews, did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? In other words, is 
Is there no hope for the Jews anymore? And he says, of course not. They were disobedient. Talking about the Jews. The Jews were disobedient. So God made salvation available to the Gentiles. Why? Because of the Jews' disobedience. We Gentiles now get to hear the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But God wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when the Jews finally accept it. If the Gentiles were enriched, because the Gentiles had nothing. We had nothing. The Jews were God's chosen. God dealt with the Jews. The Gentiles were, they just had nothing. And now they have everything because the gospel is being preached to the Gentiles. Paul being an ambassador to the Gentiles, being sent by Jesus himself to the Gentiles to proclaim the gospel message, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And they get the opportunity to either accept or reject. And now that this message is going to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are just jumping on board left and right as fast as they can. And Paul says, now if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think of how much greater a blessing the world, not the Jews, but the whole world, will share when the Jews finally accept it. And like I said a while ago, there's Jews to this very day that still reject Jesus as their Messiah. They still reject God's offer of salvation. And they're still looking for a Messiah. And they're still basing their salvation, if you will, their good standing or right relationship with God based on the law. And here's Paul saying, it's not cutting it. That, that old covenant between Abraham and God, it's now through Jesus' blood, the new covenant. And, and Jesus is your Messiah. Jesus has died on the cross for your sins. Jesus has willingly laid down his life for you, his people. The prophets prophesied about him. There's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament from the prophets proclaiming who the Messiah would be. Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. And yet, he comes along working all these miracles to prove to the Jews that he is who he says he is. And they still reject their Messiah. And because of their rejection of Jesus, God says, Gentiles, come on in. And Paul says, the Gentiles were enriched because of the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation. And he says, the Gentiles were enriched, but think how much greater a blessing the world will share when the Jews finally accept that Jesus is their Messiah and that he died for them. I'm going to end the podcast by saying this. Thank you to the Jews for rejecting your Messiah so that we Gentiles can be grafted into the kingdom of God. And we'll talk about being grafted into the kingdom of God because it's such a cool, cool concept. You think grafting, it with, with, with you know, they'll take all these different kind of trees and, and they'll graft these trees together to make some kind of funky fruit or whatever. Uh, it, it, 
God was doing grafting a long time ago, and he grafted us Gentiles to the very root system that was meant for the Jews. And now we get to partake of the nutrients that come from that root system that was meant for the Jews. And we'll talk more about that in the next podcast. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today. Keep grinding.